Are you hiding anything this morning? Last Wednesday, uh, I came out, I was studying, I came out, and my assistant, Brenda, had a funny look on her face, and she said, the courthouse just called, and they're looking for you. I could tell by the look on her face, and and then she said, well, actually, they want to know how to get a hold of your wife. Where is your wife? And and I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, she thinks we're Bonnie and Clyde or something. I mean, you know, 14 years, and we've hit it, and now it's coming out. We're criminals. And so I said, I have no idea why the courthouse is calling looking for me, nor my wife, but I call my wife, who sheepishly then admits well, I got a speeding ticket six weeks ago. Now, my wife knew I was going to tell this day, so I'm not throwing her under the bus. I got a speeding ticket six weeks ago, but I just forgot about it. I just unintentionally, she says, I put it aside, and it just disappeared. And let me just tell you that when you do that, the reaper comes a-knocking at some point. And so when you don't pay the ticket, you're supposed to go to court to argue why you don't pay the ticket. And when she didn't show up in court, then the judge announced that she was a wanted woman. I mean, she was going on milk cartons and everything. And so thank God someone called us. She was able to go down there and pay the fine. uh, And she's not going to Angola for six months, even though I think that might have helped our marriage. Wouldn't have been bad for it. But the bottom line is, is your sins will find you out, amen? I mean, they, they do, right? She's not laughing, but you should be laughing with me because I'm sacrificing myself at this point. But I want to ask you a pointed and serious question this morning. And that, I mean, that wasn't not serious, but it's just funny how you can forget about something, but it will come back to you if it's not a positive thing. What are you hiding this morning? What are you hiding this morning? We're in Joshua chapter 7. What's tucked away that maybe you and God, you don't want to know that he knows, but he does. Maybe another person or two that's involved. What's, what are you hiding this morning? In, in our story in Joshua 7, verse 1, it begins, it says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. Really, one man and his family did. A man named Achan had stolen some of the dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimrah, and the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Now, if you were here last week, a quick review, if you weren't here, chapter 6, the Jewish people are in the promised land. They're on the verge of finding life God, best life God has for them. They go to the city of Jericho. It's the first fort they're going to face. They're having to deal with these, these bad people. The walls miraculously fall down. They go in. Not a person of the good guys are killed. They win the battle. It's phenomenal. Everything is just great. And now everything has gone bad quickly. Verse 21, it tells basically what Achan stole. It said, among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much, I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent and the silver buried deeper than the rest. Now, it's hard to translate fully, but this may have been about a pound and a quarter of gold. And it's going to vary even day to day, but that's worth $22,000, $23,000 right now. That's a pretty good little thing to have, isn't it? And this five pounds of silver, not bad. A Babylon, a Babylon robe would have been very valuable. Some scholars believe in this day and age they stole enough that it's, it's like a lifetime worth of income. 
But they also could have rationalized. They probably stole a tiny amount of what was actually there in the plunder. You notice in that verse when he's admitting it, he says, I saw, I liked it, and I took it. The exact same words are found in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. They saw something. They kept looking at it when they shouldn't have kept looking at it. They coveted it. They said, you know what? That doesn't belong to me, and it shouldn't belong to me, but I want it, and they took it. And that's exactly what our our anti-hero in this story did. Now, here's the question. This is very important. Was God being clear? Did Achan do something out of just ignorance or he didn't really know? Was, you know, because the bottom line is, is we need to have clear instructions if we're going to make good decisions. These are some, out, uh, some headlines that were actually in a newspaper that I don't think are very clear. Headlines in a paper. Patients at death door, patient at death's door, doctors pull him through. That sounds like malpractice to me. Someone, they're at death's door. Let's get them through the door. Juvenile court to try shooting defendant. Well, nothing else works, so we're going to shoot the, uh, the juvenile delinquent. I love this one. 20-year friendship ended at the altar. Young people, don't marry. You won't be friends anymore if you got that. This is a brain surgeon one. Cold wave linked to temperatures. That's not very clear, is it? In chapter 6, verse 18, listen to what God said before they went to this country, to this city. Do not take any of the things that are set apart for destruction. Or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Listen, folks, God was clear. Achan knew what he was supposed to do and what he was not supposed to do. I want to look, put verse 1 back up there real quick. In verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Israel violated. Now, if you're taking notes, that word violate means it was secretive. It was hidden. It was, it was covertly. In other words, Achan knew this was not right. And, and so to do it, he had to do it under the cover of darkness. He tried to be secretive. He was doing it in a way that he would never be seen. What secret things are going on in your life or my life today? Another interesting thing, in this one chapter, there's about four different words used for sinning. And the concepts that you will find are to trespass. That means to cross the line. You know what it means? To trespass is going somewhere you're not supposed to go. There's the idea of missing the mark, that God has set a standard here, and that when we miss the mark, whether it's by... Ten feet or by one inch, we've missed the mark. It means to also to fall short. Here's God's standard. And we fall short of God's standard. It means to be untrue. And all this in this context is kind of being sneaky and slippery too. Where in your life and my life today are we being untrue to God? Where are we crossing a line that we shouldn't be crossing? Where are we going that we shouldn't be going? Maybe you're married today and you're having an affair. Need I tell you, you're crossing the line you shouldn't be crossing. And you go, man, it's so much fun. It's exciting. And nobody knows. We'll see in a moment if, if somebody will find out eventually. Maybe you're single. You're not married and you're having sex. Fornication is two people having sex that aren't married. And I mean, everybody does it, don't they? I mean, so it's got to be okay. And the answer to that is absolutely not. 
but nobody knows. Nobody's going to find out. Or you may be, you would never have an affair. You would never, you're not married. You would never be involved with anybody you shouldn't be. But you're just, your computer, your phone is full of porno. But again, everybody does it, right? Or maybe you just cheat a little bit and you take things that don't belong to you. Or you cheat at school because everybody does it. Or you're a liar. Or you're a hypocrite. Now listen, we all sin, man. We're all sinners. What the story and the basis of the story is today is we had a man who clearly steps out and he's doing something, he's involved in something he shouldn't be involved in. And that's my question for you and me this morning. What are we hiding today? What's going on in your life and in my life? You don't owe any answer to me for sure. I'm just throwing this out there to help us all work through it. This sermon starts hard, but it's going to end pretty if we'll do the right things. What are you hiding this morning? Here's the second thing that flows with this. It has the potential to cost you dearly. You go, well, it's my business what I'm hiding. Absolutely, it's not my business. Unless you come to me for counseling, it's not my business. But what I want to share with you from the Word of God, this is my job. It has the potential to cost you dearly. It's going to cost somebody in this story dearly. In verse 14, it says, In the morning you must present yourselves by tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. The tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. The clan will then come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Now, this is, uh, this is their social political makeup at this time. It, it'd be kind of like, now this, what's really weird is this may be a million people. I mean, this is a lot, a lot of people. So let's say it's the tribe of Rustin, the city of Rustin. Good grief, you got to get in line. And you're going to get in line by family clan. So I don't know if Skip and Carolyn Russell, are you here, Skip and Carolyn, anywhere? Uh, I see Carolyn in the balcony. But let's say Skip and Carolyn got... Uh, 42 children and 800 grandkids, right? Something like that. So, so the clan of Russell comes through. And so the family of Skip and Carolyn go through. They're clean. And then Will and Adrian's family comes through, and they're clean. And then the family of Brown comes through, Nick and Mandy. Uh, they're caught. And Mandy looks at Nick and goes, I knew you were hiding something, right? Bailey, that's how it would go. But that, that's kind of how they, they were doing this. They were unpacking this family by family. Verse 16 through 18, early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord. And the tribe of Judah was singled out. By the way, that's the tribe Jesus comes through. Then the clans of Judah came forward and the clans of Zerah was singled out. The family of Zerah came forward and the family of Zimrah was singled out. And every member of Zimrah's family was brought forward person by person until Achan was singled out. We really don't know how much time had elapsed between the Battle of Jericho, when these things were stolen, and when this public humiliation is going to happen or is happening. We don't know, but, but it, it must have been sometime. And hey, you know what? You've, you've got a few things that they're not big things, and you've hidden them, and you've buried them in the ground under your tent. Nobody is ever going to know, right? You're never going to get caught. You're never going to get found out. That's the lie that the devil is whispering in your ear this morning. That you can do it, other people do it, you'll get away with it, nobody's going to find out. And then boy, did the piper come coming for Aiken at some point. This isn't on the screens, but if you're taking notes, write Galatians 6, 7 down. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. 
What a man sows, they reap. Galatians 6, 7. What you do eventually comes back to you. This is a true story. Happened in Cassett, South Carolina. The person who owned the country store, that was the name of it, in Cassett, South Carolina, heard that his store had just been burglarized. So he calls the police. He goes to the store in the middle of the night. And he finds there's a little bit of money stolen. They don't keep a lot of money in the store at night. Cigarettes are stolen. Beer is stolen. And some food is stolen. Well, they notice that there, is, there are Cheetos all over the place in the store. Don't you already like this burglar? And so they notice there's a trail of Cheetos that lead out the door. Either he had punctured a bag or he is eating Cheetos during and after the robbery. Isn't this great? So they follow the Cheetos out the store. They follow the Cheetos out in the parking lot. They follow the Cheetos to where the guy is holed up with a friend. They knock on the door and arrest the guy. They go, who's got the orange fingers? You know, can you imagine how embarrassing would it be to be in prison to have to admit you were caught because you had left Cheetos everywhere to your place where you were? You go, well, that's silly. No, it's silly. It's funny. But the bottom line is, you're leaving a trail. I'm leaving a trail. God knows what's going on. Someone said, and this is so true, sin is so deceitful. It starts out and it seems so easy. It doesn't seem like it's, it's going to be harmful. Everybody does it. I'm justified in doing this. I can always rationalize why I have a terrible attitude, why I'm mean to people, why I cheat on my spouse, why I'm looking at pornography, why I'm doing drugs. I can always rationalize it, and the devil will help you rationalize it, and it'll always make sense, and it's always easy, and it's not bad, and then soon you get involved, your heart gets hardened, and then you end up finding that your head gets chopped off. Whatever you're hiding this morning has the potential to hurt you deeply. Here's the third thing, and this is maybe the worst thing of all. It has the potential to cost those you love dearly. It has the potential to cost those you love dearly. Again, it's bad enough that it hammers you, but the fact that it will hammer others. Look in verse 2 and 3. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. And here's an interesting tidbit. They were around Jericho. Jericho's 800 feet below sea level. We don't know exactly where A is from here. It's not far, but it's up in the mountains. And in fact, it is 2,500 feet above sea level. So it's about a 3,300-foot climb. And they rationalize and go, hey, it should be hard to get the women and children, everybody up there. Just send some warriors. We'll go up there and we will defeat them. Now come next week because we're going to major on this topic. Here's a huge blunder Joshua does. He doesn't ask God about it. He doesn't ask God if they should do it. Many of us live like we marry, we date, we make decisions, and we just ask God to bless our mess. It's going to get them in trouble. They don't ask God. They don't consult God. Look in verse 4 and 5. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent. 
But they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. And the Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events. Man, one man's sin, one man's sin. God's hands off the people. 36 people die because one guy's hiding something. One guy's not dealing with the junk in his life, and it's costing other people dearly. Verse 24 through 20 and 25, it says, Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had, and they brought them to the valley of Acre, Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. Now, let me explain that to you because that's pretty brutal. One, that's Achan's sin catching him. Why the family? Why'd the family have to die? There's, There's two thoughts on this. One is that, that, hey, man, your sin has consequences and innocent people are going to pay which, which is partly true. I don't believe that God killed the sons and the daughters because daddy was a creep. I think they were complicit in this. Deuteronomy twenty four sixteen says, Parents must not be put to death for the sins of their children, thank God, nor, nor children for the sins of their parents, thank God on that. Th- those deserving to die must be put to death for their own crime. God doesn't kill innocent people for the crimes of someone else. I think that Achan's family was involved in the sin with him. Now, no, but here's the responsibility. He's the daddy. If he would have stepped up and said, we are not going to do this. We are not going to be a part of this. We're not going to hide this. We're not going to disobey God. None of this would have happened. But he didn't do it. And folks, here's one of the tough, tough things. What you and I do is going to impact other people tremendously. Some of you go, well, I don't care. Well, it's, it, the thing is, it's going to impact those you love the most, that you're closest to. There was a journalist named Sebastian Younger who was allowed to spend 15 months with some infantry troops in Afghanistan, American infantry troops. He wrote some very interesting things, but here's one thing that applies so well this morning. Here's what Sebastian said. In combat, in that world, what one soldier does impacts everyone he's around. One dumb thing, one sinful thing, one disobeying an order can cost the lives of everyone in his group. Folks, I want to tell you, my sin and your sin impact other people. I can hide it. I can deny it. I can rationalize it. But the bottom line, my sin is going to hurt other people. Let me tell you how it hurts other people. Or let me tell you the, the sphere of your influence. It's going to hurt your spouse if you're married. It's going to hurt your kids if you have kids. It'll hurt your parents. You go to church, it can hurt your church. You're on a team, it can hurt your team. Where you work, it can hurt your workplace. Ruston's a small enough town, it can, it can affect our whole community if the wrong person gets upside down with God. There's a quote, you've heard this before, but it is so good. Sin always takes you farther than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. What are you hiding today? Is it worth it? 
Let me give you the positive thing this morning, and it's really positive. Get it right with God now. Whatever God's touching your heart about, some of you know clearly. Some of you may say, well, I'm not hiding something. I just got some junk I'm not dealing with. That's what we're talking about. Get it right with God this morning. Get it right with God today. Let's look in verse 6 through 9. Joshua and the elders tore their clothes in dismay. The Sabbath they lost the battle. They threw dust on their heads and bowed their face to the ground before the ark. Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you... You getting this? God, why did you bring us here to let us get defeated? Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies, from the Canaanites and all the people living in the land hear about it? They will surround us and wipe out our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Man, Joshua's a great guy, but he's messing up here. He's saying some bad stuff. Joshua's saying, God, basically, it's your fault that we just got beat. God, it's it's your name that's being drugged down because of what you're allowing to happen. God didn't have anything to do with this. Folks, any theological system that blames God for sin is blasphemy. God can't even look at sin. Now, Joshua doesn't know what's going on here. He's going to in a moment. But let me just pause and say this to you and to myself. Don't blame God for your sin this morning. Well, if God would have just let this happen instead of that, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be stealing money at work. Don't blame other people. Man, I would be moral and pure if it wasn't for my girlfriend. I'd be faithful if it wasn't for my husband or my wife. I'd give and I'd serve and I'd do if it wasn't for the preacher. Don't blame other people for your sin. God's response here to Joshua is classic and it's scary. Verse 10 through 13. But the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not not only stolen, but they've lied about it and hidden the things among their belongings. This is why... Israelites, Israelites' enemies are running, and you're running in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I'm not going to remain with you unless you deal with this stuff. Verse 13, get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation. And I'm going to paraphrase this. For tomorrow, we're going to have a come-to-God meeting. Man, I believe we ought to pray a whole lot more than we pray. I believe we should seek wisdom and help. But listen, listen to me. There comes a point when you know you're doing something wrong. Stop praying about it. Stop talking about it. Stop getting help about it. Stop rationalizing it. And just decide you're going to do the right thing about it. Verse 20 is sadly interesting. Achan replied when he's confronted, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And it rose forward, I believe, doesn't it? Is that it for that verse? He said, I've sinned. Okay, so here's this. You go, why didn't God have grace on him? Why didn't God forgive Achan here? Why didn't he give him that 10th chance that he gives you and me over and over again? Here's why. Achan confessed it when he got caught. This isn't a guy that's really sorry for what he did. Now, you can get caught and truly confess and be sorry. But that's not what happened here. 
Folks, I want to tell you, when you stand before God someday on Judgment Day, it's going to be too late to say, man, Jesus, I believe you. Can I get baptized right now? Can I follow? It's going to be too late. It's going to be too late to pull back some of the consequences of your sin and my sin if we wait to confess it and deal with it after it's exposed. Let me play the what-if game with you. What if the day that that happened and he stole those things, Achan would have come to God and Joshua and said, man, I did this, I'm so sorry. Several days probably went by. What if before they went to battle, he'd have said, man, no, 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 we can't do this yet because I've sinned. Here's this stuff, and he confessed it. What if after the battle, when they got their heads handed to him, he would have said, it's my fault. I, I confess it to you. And then God says, called all the people together and said, tomorrow we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. I think he's given him grace and grace and grace and saying, Achan, get this right, get this right, get this right, but he doesn't do it. What if that night he would have come to God and Joshua and said, I did it. But no, he waited until he was singled out by the hand of God. You know when you need to get stuff right with God? Right now. Right now. How do we do it? Let me give you two steps. Number one, confess it to God. Confess your sin to God. You don't have to confess your sins to other people unless it involves and it hurts other people. But it begins with confessing your sin to God. 1 John 1, 9 is one of the great verses in the Bible. By the way, it's written first to Christians. I believe it can be applied to a non-Christian. But you Christians, listen to what it says and to all of us. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our wickedness. That word confess, New Testament is written in Greek, is made up of two Greek words. Homo, literally the word homo, which means in the Greek the same, hence homosexual, same sex. And the other word is legos or logos, which means to speak. And so the Greek word confess literally means to speak the same thing. So when I confess my sins to God, what I'm doing, I'm saying the same thing about my sin that God says about my sin. Here's what we do. God, if I've sinned, forgive me. That's great in kindergarten. Get past that. You have sinned. To confess my sin is to come clean to God. It's to say the same thing about my sin that God says. Now, th this is interesting. The American Psychological Association last year put out a report and said, and I think they were talking about human confession, but they said a partial confession is worse than a full confession. Well, see, we don't want to confess things fully because, man, that means really owning it, coming clean. But so we partially confess, and what the, the, the psychologist said was, when you partially confess, you leave feeling worse than you did before because now you've confessed, but you've even lied in your confession. Pour it out. When I confess my sin to God, I say the same thing about my sin that God does. Here's what God says about my sin. He says, it's mine. It's mine. Let's say it's the sin of being dishonest. It's saying, God, I have been dishonest. I haven't told the truth, God, and I'm confessing that to you. I want to come clean. I want to deal with it. I want to make it right with you. That's what confession is. And what goes hand in glove with confession is the word repentance. You can't just confess something, even to God, wholeheartedly with no desire to be different. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 it says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation or results in forgiveness for the believer. 
There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which leads, lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. True confession means, God, I'm sorry, I did it, I own it, it's mine, and with your help, I'm going to be different. Now listen, repentance is not about perfection, it's about direction. When you're saying you're repenting of something, you're going one way and you turn around and you go back the other way. You're headed north, you you go south, you're headed east, you go west. You, You may trip and fall, but if you're repenting, you are saying with the help and the grace of God, you're going to do things different. What God wants you and me to do this morning is to own our sin, own what we're hiding, own what we're concealing, and with his help be willing to repent and turn from it. There were two little kids that went to go spend the week with their grandparents one summer. Grandparents lived out on a farm. The boy was six, the girl was eight. And the granddaddy made his grandson an old-fashioned slingshot. And he told him, he said, son, just don't shoot a person or don't shoot an animal. You can shoot cans and trees all day long. Very first day, the boy went down by the pond, and they had some little white ducks. And which for a six-year-old, it would have been a lucky shot, but it was a shot, and he killed one of the ducks. He looked around to see if anybody was looking, and he, dra- he drug the, the duck out of the water. Went a little ways in the woods, and like a six-year-old boy can, with his hands in his boots, he dug a hole, and he put the duck in, and he covered it up. He looked up, and he could see his sister up the hill looking at him, smiling. They went in for supper that night, and after supper, gr- the grandmother asked the little girl, Sally, will you help me with the dishes? And she said, I'd love to, Grandmama, but Billy said he would. And she looked at him and she said, remember the duck. All week long, she terrorized her little brother. Anything she didn't want to do or to get out of, she would say, Billy, remember the duck. She had a great week. He had a horrible week. It was on Sunday, they were getting ready to go home. The little boy went to his granddaddy. He started crying. He said, granddaddy, I got to tell you something. He said, I did something horrible. The first day here, I killed a duck, and I took it in the woods, and I buried it, and I'm so sorry. His granddaddy started crying. He said, son, I sat at the kitchen window and saw, saw you do it. I saw you kill it. I saw you bury it. I've been waiting all week for you to come to me so I could hug you and forgive you and tell you I loved you. I don't know what you're hiding this morning, but if you're willing to deal with it God's way, I can promise you he's down here waiting today to hug you, to love you, and to forgive you. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, man, I want to ask you to get real with God right now. That's the only way to get right with God is to get real with God. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, I want to uh, ask you right now, if you're ready to do it, I want you to pray with me. and Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. 
And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Let me have your attention just for a second. Before we, we give the come down response, I want you to take your card. This is between you and God. But I want you to write down what you're struggling with. What you're hiding. Then I want to ask you to just take that card and you can fold it. You can wad it up if you want to. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment. My ministers are going to lead the way. I want you to come down to one of these garbage cans. There's a garbage can in the balcony. And I want you to bring this card. And I want you to dump it in here. You don't have to. We're not taking names. and going to punish you if you don't. But I want to encourage you to do it as a physical way of saying I'm letting it go. And we're asking you to take a rubber band. we got rubber bands down here. Not to pop yourself all week, but to remind you of what you did this morning what you gave up, what you put in here. Next Sunday morning, we're going to show you on a video what we're going to do with these cards. We're going to burn them. We're going to destroy them completely, just like God's doing with it if you're dealing with it properly. If you're not a Christian and you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart or you're ready to, you come on down this morning. Let us help you with Jesus. You want to join the church? It'll be a great day. There's going to be a lot of people, I believe, coming in a moment. You can slip in here and join with them and join our church. Christian, maybe while you're putting something in the garbage can, you need to spend some time on your knees at the altar or praying with a minister, asking God to help you get past what's going on. God's waiting to love and forgive you if you'll let him. Let's stand.